Welcome to the Delta Center podcast. Launched in January 2018 with support from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Delta Center for a Thriving Safety Net is a national initiative that provides technical assistance to state primary care associations and behavioral health state associations to advance value-based payment and care. The Delta Center is led by JSI Research and Training Institute, the Center for Care Innovations, and the McCall Center for Healthcare Innovation at Kaiser Permanente Washington Health Research Institute, and also brings together the National Association for Community Health Centers and the National Council for Behavioral Health. During this episode, Jason Patnosh from the National Association of Community Health Centers and Mohini Venkatesh from the National Council for Behavioral Health will be speaking with Andrea Ducas, a senior program officer at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, about strategies for nonprofits to use in working with foundations. Well, Andrea, let's go ahead and just dive right in here. Um, let's start at the beginning. So. When a nonprofit is researching and getting to know a foundation, what would you say are the key things that they should really be looking for? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, and something to keep in mind um, is that every every foundation is is pretty unique. Uh, there's a wide range of different types of funders out there. They range from family foundations to operational foundations that raise money and make grants uh, to big national entities like ours at uh, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Uh, so my recommendation um, for any organization that's thinking about soliciting foundation funding would be obviously first and foremost to check uh, for fit with mission. Uh, so you'll want to spend some time on the foundation's website, um, pick up the phone and make some calls if necessary, um, and just get a sense of does the work that that foundation supports, does that seem to be consistent with what your organization is doing or what your needs might be? Um, sometimes uh, it's easy to find information about this on a website. Sometimes it's a little harder, especially for smaller foundations, in which case um, probably one of the best things to do is take a look at, um, at their uh, filings. So every foundation uh, in this country has to fill out a tax filing called a 990 PF. Um, sometimes you see it on their website. Sometimes you can go to a place like GuideStar or Foundation Center online and you can look those up. And uh, for a lot of the foundations that will list the grants that they've made, you could do some research on those organizations and that can give you a sense of their mission as well. Um, so I would take a look at Fit with Mission. Um, I do a quick skim um, to try and understand what their grant making policies are. Um, so there are some foundations um, like ours that don't normally accept what we call unsolicited proposals, so like cold asks, but there are other um, foundations that do, and they just sort of review anything that comes across their desk and consider for funding. Um, sometimes uh, foundations will, will put out competitive funding opportunities. Um, sometimes it's the same competition once a year and you can see um, what they put out in years prior and who was funded. Sometimes it's different and topical. That, that uh, tends to be true for Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, for example. So I would just take a look, try to get a sense of what is this organization? How does it appear uh, to, to tick and function? Um, does it seem like our missions might be aligned? And then, you know, what might my opportunities for pursuing funding be? There's a lot more to consider, but at, the, at first blush, that would be my recommendation. Thanks, Andrea. I want to take this a little bit uh, deeper and, and a little more of the current news environment that we're in. The, this day and age of the Sackler family who was behind Purdue Pharmaceuticals and or even Jeffrey Epstein, how should nonprofits assess when a foundation or a donor 
aligns with their organization's values? How can they predict and even look ahead to problems mm. that might come down the line from a donation or a partnership? Yeah, that's another really great question. Um, again, I think, um, I think doing some early due diligence um, is, is a really great way to try and get ahead of that. Um, so, uh, again, and this is going to vary based on the organization, but many foundations on their website list their trustees and list their staff. Um, and you can get us and you know, like ours, for example, has bios of all of our trustees and our staff. Um, you could take a look at those, peruse them, see who is helping to make decisions for the organization. You get a feel of um, the industry or sector they come from. Um, if the foundation doesn't have a website, directors are listed on that 990 PF. Um, so you can take a look at them. You could do some quick Googling. Um, you could also do some research in, into like where foundations um, uh, made their money. Where did the money come from? If they are foundations that fundraise, um, then you'll also be able to take a look at their donor list, either on their website or again through their through their filings. Um, but that's that's one thing you could do. Um, and I, I understand uh, definitely that that's something that's become um, more and more um, in the you know in the public eye uh, recent or, or to the top of the public conscious re conscious uh, recently. Um, but those would be some initial recommendations. And then moving past that stage of researching um, and getting to know a foundation, when a nonprofit starts thinking about building a new relationship with a foundation they don't know yet at all, do you have any particular suggestions uh, for how to get that rolling? Yeah, yeah. So something that's sort of interesting, you know, when I, before RWJ, I worked at a, a client services nonprofit and did almost all of their development and proposal writing. And one of the things that I um, that I did, and I think it's very common still um, in in my role, um, was we knew what we wanted and we knew what we needed, and we would just sort of look for any place that might be able to provide that level of support, and that's what we would come to them with. Like, here's our issue, here's our opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if we had your support? And you know that was true when it came to so that. Um, submitting a proposal that was unsolicited or, you know, if there was a call for proposals, I might look at that and say, you know, well, this really isn't about what we do, but I think, you know, I could squish it and shape it. So it like sort of, so it aligns with this. And um, that's incredibly transparent um, uh, to funders now sitting on the other side of that, uh, that table. Um, it also just, I think, feels very transactional. Um, and so much of philanthropy is still very relational. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the people working for these organizations are, they're all humans, right? And we all um, appreciate relationship development. And, and often um, uh, the people working at foundations are not as expert in what you're doing as you are. Um, so something that really helps and something that I love as a funder is working with organizations um, who sort of approach our, um, uh, our, their introduction with me or will approach my introduction with them as one that's um, first and foremost about relationship building, um, where initially you just, you have conversations, you help people understand what it is you do. Um, you ask, um, or they would ask me, you know, what is it RWJ does? What is it that RWJ cares about? And we have those conversations sort of in an ongoing way. Um, uh, so that, that tends to work better than sort of um, from the get-go starting with an ask. 
Um, because usually as a, as a program staff person, I might lack the context for that ask. Um, it might not make sense given where our organization is, but perhaps it makes sense in the future. Um, so I would, I would suggest going about making initial contact and um, even, you know, in a little bit after that initial contact, really thinking about the interactions as relationship building and having an opportunity to share your story and learn um, from the foundation about their story and where they're coming from, as opposed to pursuing um, something that feels a little bit more transactional from the get-go. Well, you've already begun to allude to this a little bit, but I'm also just wondering, are there particular don'ts that come to mind for you in building a relationship with a foundation? Uh, let's see, other don'ts. Um, uh, I d definitely the, the, the starting with an ask. Um, I think another don't, another real clear don't is, um, and I certain I started alluding to this earlier, is what we, we, we as funders are constantly trying to avoid is, um, is uh, working with an organization that has to sort of twits, twist itself into a pretzel um, uh, to fit with one of our funding opportunities. So as, or as different nonprofits, as, um, uh, as the kinds of organizations, as the folks on the listening to this, um, you know, as, as, as the kinds of organizations you are, you, you know what you're doing, you know why, you do what you're, why you're doing what you're doing, and you know where you want to go. Um, the most compelling thing possible is to have a very clear line of sight about that and uh, a really clear sense of why and a good, solid um, uh, rationale for that why. Um, it's, it comes across as really authentic. It's usually a, a real opportunity, like I said, for foundations to learn. Um, and the worst thing in the world to us would be to say this organization that's doing such great things really felt the need to make this unnatural pivot to try and um, fit this particular funding opportunity, which, wasn't nece which isn't necessarily good for the organization, nor is it necessarily good for what the foundation's trying to do. So that would be another don't. It's like, don't, don't try to make your organization into something it isn't just for the purposes of um, a particular grant funding opportunity. So Andrea, another question. In healthcare, much of the long-term work needed to improve access and quality while finding cost savings at the same time will take legislative and regulatory change, both at the state and federal levels. How can nonprofits work with their foundation funding partners to advance some of this work to make the true long-term sustainable changes that are needed? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, something that's been very interesting for me um, working in a philanthropy is I think that there are some misconceptions around what um, philanthropy can and can't do and how that translates into how we work with our partners. Um, so as a foundation, we actually have much more strict limits on how our dollars can be spent than, um, than organizations um, uh, like, uh, like your members uh, ha um, have the flexibility to do. Um, so, but because of that, we have a number of different ways that we can um, partner with grantees that allows them to have more budget flexibility than, uh, than a grant um, could otherwise provide. Um, so as an example, um, general operating grants to an organization that have, um, that have other funders um, provide a lot more flexibility um, for organizations to, um, to, to do their work, right? Because we're not funding a specific set of activities. 
we also have a type of grant um, that we can make um, that is sort of in between a program grant and an operating grant um, that allows for more flexibility in terms of how work is done on the ground, so long as there are other funders supporting um, that particular project or, or, or program. Um, so I say that because um, we can actually um, support a fair amount of, of policy advocacy work, um, and uh, our dollars can sometimes also be used for um, activities um, uh, that um, go a little bit further, so long as um, it's, you know, we're not the sole funder on a project, and so long it's, as it's not, you know, an RWJ program, um, again, through general operating grants or, or in other ways. Um, this is the benefit of um, whenever you have a program that's more focused on um, advocacy or policy change, um, that it's, it's really, really helpful um, when other funders are involved, like state or local funders, um, because it just allows for more flexibility. Um, I also make that point because I would say state and local funders also tend to have a pretty sophisticated understanding of the state legislative landscape or state regulatory landscape um, in, their, in their area. Um, and uh, have a good sense of sort of which levers to pull on and how to do that. Um, and I think they just bring a degree of sophistication, at, certainly at that level, um, that might be lacking um, for a national funder. But there's a lot of work that we can support that isn't, that isn't lobbying, of course, right? Um, uh, policymaker education, uh, advocacy, uh, uh, different briefs, um, uh, legal and, uh, and technical support. Um, and then with respect to what the organizations we support can actually do, um, you know, we can, we can definitely support an organization that has the ability to lobby. We just can't fund it directly, or we can't fund it at all, I should say. <laughs> well, Andrea, thank you so much for um, sharing your feedback and experiences um, and for supporting the work of the Delta Center. Thank oh, you. absolutely. please visit the Delta Center website at deltacenter.jsi.com for more information. Thanks again for joining us.